Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only $39 a month with no additional cost or fees. You heard that right, guys. No additional fees. Literally hundreds of events for $39 a month. For instance, over the next few weeks, you could hit up the big, wonderful beer fest. Jeff Dye at Comedy Works. They've got Taps and Tails. Jay Balvin at the Pepsi Center. Indie Card Haunted House. There's literally something for everyone. We're talking concerts, beer tastings, food fests, comedy shows, 5Ks. Anything else you can imagine, if it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that In We Go can get you in. So here's where it gets good for BSN listeners. We've partnered with In We Go to give you guys an awesome deal. So if you go to inwego.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe, you're going to get 50% off your first month. That's right. All events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it and fall in love with it like we all did at BSN Denver. So again, go to inwego.com backslash BSN. I promise you, you won't regret it. And download the app for free. Use promo code BSN50 for your first month of tons of free events in Denver for under 20 bucks. And with that, welcome into a Monday edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver. Harrison Wind, alongside Christian Clark. A lot to get to on today's show. We had a banner weekend on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. We've got a bunch of questions to get to there. We didn't get one from our buddy Chris in Denver. A little worried about you, Chris, after you called in every day to our shows last week, but it was good to meet you at the game against Perth this weekend, a game that we will touch on a little bit here. We spoke about it when we recorded a show after that game, uh, late Friday night, early Saturday morning. If you missed that, be sure to check it out on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you download your podcasts from. But we got a lot of messages to get to on the fan hotline, like I said, but Christian, the first order of business, we got to pour one out for the Nuggets' first cut of training camp, Emmanuel Terry, Waved per a source, the Nuggets' best dunker at training camp. Uh, he, he unfortunately gone. He also has an uncanny resemblance to future. He will be missed. Yeah, we were both at the Nuggets Fan Fest event at Manuel High School on Saturday, and I don't even think it was close. Emmanuel Terry was clearly the best dunker out of the group that the Nuggets brought to training camp. Who do you think is the best dunker on the roster now? I think I would probably go with Tory Craig. Okay, that's not who I would have gone with. But interesting. Why Tory Craig? I mean, he was tossing oops to himself and, and kind of doing mm-hmm. like backwards windmills at the event at Manuel High School. I don't know who you got. I'd go with Malik Beasley. Ooh. We saw him try a free throw line dunk at the Fan Fest. That did not go as planned. Wasn't able to convert it. But I'd go with Malik Beasley. He can sky... He does seem like more of an in-game dunker than a dunk contest dunker, per se. Will Barton, who has a dunk contest under his belt, an underrated performance in the dunk contest years back. I I will go to my grave saying that. Also more of an in-game dunker. I'd go Malik Beasley. If if I had to enter one Nuggets player in a dunk contest tomorrow, I'd go with Malik. Yeah, I I think you're right that Malik Beasley is definitely the Nuggets' best in-game dunker. I mean, he's already had a couple flushes during games we're like whoa I mean he he can really sky and uh you, you see his athletic potential every once in a while I he's mean, got he comes power too yeah he is powerful and he's, he's, he's only gotten bigger too this offseason yeah he's a straight power dunker I think uh with Emmanuel Terry you know I'm pretty optimistic that he can find a place at, at least this season on a two-way deal I think he's a a big who fits in pretty well with where the NBA is going. You know, I could see him one day down the road, maybe getting some reserve minutes at backup center, possibly because he's pretty good screen setter, roller to the rim and, and finisher of lobs. And then he does an all right job on the defensive end. I mean, we saw at summer league, the chemistry that he had Monte Morris had in the pick and roll. You put him with a point guard who knows how to run the pick and roll a little bit and, you know, you throw the ball up to Manuel Terry, and he can finish a job. Yeah, another unbelievable find by the Nuggets um, to pluck this guy out of a Division II school. Obviously, he went undrafted this summer, and then to get him on their summer league team where he did impress. 
Yeah, the Nuggets are doing Terry a favor here, from what I've told. They're letting him go now, so he has a chance to go through waivers and catch on with another team before the start of the season, whether that's on a G League roster or a two-way spot, like you said. Yeah, you definitely get the feeling like he's totally at the level of the G League and totally at the level of some of the two-way guys who have been signed over the past few years. Yeah, like you said, showed good chemistry with Monte Morris in the pick and roll, was one of Denver's best players uh, down in Vegas for sure. But it was unfortunate because he didn't really get a chance to play during preseason. And his best chance to play probably would have come against Perth on Friday. That was probably also Xavier Silas's best chance to play. And some of the other guys on the end of this Nuggets bench, Devon Akun Purcell per se, uh, in the preseason. But they didn't get to because the Nuggets were not able to put Perth away in the first half and kind of let them hang around. So that was probably his best chance to get minutes wasn't able to get minutes. So Denver's doing a chance, doing him a favor here by releasing him, giving him a shot to catch on elsewhere. Yeah, uh, another example of the Nuggets taking care of their guys. I mean, I guess Emmanuel Terry isn't their guy anymore, but they're certainly doing right by them. Nuggets are a very friendly, um, player-friendly organization. And if the Nuggets had a G League team, we probably would see Emmanuel Terry with the Nuggets G League team. But... They do not have one this year. I'm hearing they want to have one next year, but we've heard that for the last couple of years. So that's still a wait and see th- thing here. Yeah, believe it when I see it. <laughs> so we'll say goodbye to Emmanuel Terry with that. A great, a great kid too. Um, a guy who really bonded with a lot of guys on this Nuggets roster throughout the summer and uh, throughout training camp in the preseason as well. So he will be missed around Denver for sure. And that Nuggets locker room. Let's go to the total beverage fan hotline right now. We have a question from EJ. One of three questions he left this weekend on the total beverage fan hotline. We love it. Thank you for the questions. It's a great way to drive our conversation here throughout the preseason when we don't have as many games to talk about on the podcast and if you guys ever have a question for the show hit up the total beverage fan hotline 1-800-BSN-8394 is the number you need to call if you've never called before it's just an answering machine so all you got to do is leave your name and leave where you're calling from leave a message or a take for the show we'll play it and we'll give you our reaction as well it's the total beverage fan hotline 1-800-BSN-8394 1-800-BSN-8394. Let's go there right now. Hello, this is EJ Holloway from Jacksonville, Florida. Just have one brief question. Um, after that horrid game against the Perth Wildcats, and I know it's, it's preseason, no big deal, right? Well, uh, my eyebrows were raised. I know that, you know, obviously going to uh, San Diego and uh, – uh, hitting Staples Center uh, within such a short amount of time, getting both W's and uh, grabbing a third against Perth um, in a very close game that, you know, uh, it, it threw up some question marks, especially after Utah beat them so um, uh, by such a drastic margin. Um, does it, does it uh, raise any questions about, um, you know, possibly our rotation and how our starters are looking in comparison to our bench play? Um, I'd say our one consistent um, or two consistent uh, players off of the bench have been Malik Beasley um, knocking down threes. You know, he's been a lot more consistent uh, trying to jump into the rotation. And uh, Mason Plumlee. Um, But you know what? There goes those free throws, man. The first two games, he was looking really good. Uh, I think he was like six for nine uh, from the free throw line. So, you know, and kind of struggled against Perth. not to mention Bryce Cotton. Uh, gosh, I haven't thought about this uh, individual ever. And then uh, notice him in the uh, the preseason here, and he was just lighting it up. I, I would say he's the player of the game, even though the Nuggets came away with that uh, slim win. Uh, so, I mean, basically, I, I'm not so worried about our players, but how do you feel about our rotation? And who do you think is going to grab up minutes uh, between Malik Beasley, Juancho, Hernan Gomez, and, um, you know what, uh, this Welsh kid, do you think Welsh is going to get any minutes? Because uh, he's great on the boards. 
Um, and then, of course, uh, do you think that Jared Vanderbilt uh, will get any time this 2018-2019 season? And uh, possibly Michael Porter Jr. I think it would be smart to uh, sit him out all year with the expectation that he would be prepared uh, with a full offseason uh, for next year. Uh, just give me your thoughts on that. Um, and feel free to answer on the show or just leave me a message, uh, 904-866-6298. Once again, this is DJ Holloway, Jacksonville, Florida. I love what you guys do, and uh, the show is fantastic. Thank you for all this great information on the BSN Denver Nuggets podcast. Have a good one, y'all. Thanks for the question, EJ. A lot to get to there. Let's start with his first point slash question. Did the close loss to Perth raise any questions about the starters? Obviously, this was a point Michael Malone drilled home post-game, citing how the starters have not played up to expectations. And yeah, there's definitely some concern coming from Michael Malone. I personally am not concerned about the Nuggets starters long-term and, and once the regular season hits. Look, this game against Perth, it was the first time the Nuggets stars have played together this preseason. Gary Harris obviously missed the first two games of the preseason. Jamal Murray missed that second game against the Lakers in Staples Center. It's going to take time for those guys to get comfortable on the court with each other. The other reason I'm not worried is because I wouldn't take that game as uh, an indication of what the starting group is going to do because, frankly, that game against Perth is probably a little tough to get up for. Coming off those two games against the Lakers – in an empty arena against a non-NBA team. Look, I know NBA players, like, they should be up and ready to go for every game. It's their job to do so. A preseason game against Perth, I'll cut them a little slack. Yeah, and I think you have to remember, too, that Perth was coming off just a 48-point shellacking against the Utah Jazz, so they had extra reason to be motivated, too, whereas the Nuggets were kind of the opposite. I mean, look, the Nuggets starters, they were they were down Gary Harris in that very first game against the Los Angeles Lakers, but they looked pretty decent in that game. I mean, the offense showed what it was capable of. It showed it, the firepower that they have, even though it was a little bit of sloppy basketball. I mean, the Nuggets turned over more than 20 times, but no, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about the starters at all. And, you know, if, if they still look really sluggish after three, four, five regular season games, then yeah, I think you can say that, but I'm not concerned in the least bit after one crappy game against Perth. Yeah, the big takeaway from this preseason so far, one of the big takeaways is how good this bench has looked. And it's been one of the question marks throughout the summer, but Mason Plumley has had a really good preseason. So has Trey Lyles, so has Monte Morris, so has Malik Beasley, who we we're going to talk about in just a second here. All those guys have looked really good. That bodes well for the Nuggets bench. The greater point of that Perth game, I guess, is not so much focused on the starters for me. It's more focused on the fact that last season, a trend with this Nuggets team was that they didn't get up for games against the tanking teams in the NBA. They didn't get up and come out with a fire against subpar teams. And that was the case last year. You think back to those losses against the Hawks, the Kings, we could go on there, the Suns, but the Nuggets had an issue with really um, coming out to play and, and playing down to their competition when it came to games against those certain teams. And I guess Perth would fit into that category. Um, so I, I guess that's a little something to think about. And the Nuggets are really hoping that's not the case this year because it was definitely one of the key reasons why the Nuggets missed the playoffs a year ago. Yeah, uh, I mean – Look, those games in January against the Atlanta Hawks that they dropped, a game against the Sacramento Kings on the road where they turned it over 26 times, those were really you know the biggest reasons you could point to why the Nuggets fell inches short of a postseason appearance last year. So they've definitely got to play a little more consistent ball. I- I'm really curious to see you know how much of their inconsistency last year was just related to youth. I mean, uh, another year for... You know, guys like Nicole Jokic, Gary Harrison, Jamal Murray, and the pain of missing out on the playoffs by uh, inches two seasons in a row. I'm wondering if that's going to, you know, motivate them to put forth a little more consistent effort game in and game out. I, I kind of expect that it will. Um, 
as for the bench, that has been the story of the preseason, really, to me. And Mason Plumley, 18 for 23 from the field. He's been phenomenal. The way he's moving out around on the court, he looks like kind of a different player to me. And he's said as much, you know, Mason Plumley had surgery to repair the core core muscles that have been bothering the last two seasons. So he had surgery and rehabbed it all summer. And I think it is making a noticeable impact for him. He looks athletic. Uh, he's getting up for alley-oops. He's run the floor well. He's feasted on the Lakers in two games and Perth in a third game. <laughs> Three teams with not exactly uh, the best centers in the world. Uh, so he's played great. Um, and I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's going to be an uh, important part for this team off the bench. And, you know, I would expect him to you know, definitely be in the rotation all season long, from day one, the guys we know who are going to be in this rotation, the five starters, Trey Lyles, Mason Plumley, and I'd say Monte Morris are the eight guys probably locked in right now, and that might be a good way to transition into Malik Beasley, who EJ also asked about. One of the big stories from training camp so far, he's looked great. I mean, he's not missing from three. His shot looks better. You wrote about on bsndenver.com Monday morning, the changes he's made to his shot, the work he put in this offseason, seems to be paying off for him, at least through three preseason games. He's playing confidently. And you know, Christian, if I had to say, I agree with what you had to say on Friday's show. He is knocking on the door of a guy who deserves minutes and a guy who might be locked into the rotation once the season starts. Yeah, he's knocked down 11 of 16 looks from behind the arc. Look, I mean, he's not going to shoot 60% from the three forever. Um, that's It's just not possible. But, you know, if he, if he can shoot in the high 30s, then that would be a big improvement for sure. him. He said that he made a little tweak in his jump shot this summer. Him and his trainer, Mark Campbell, um, who played a little college ball at UNC, noticed that Malik was leaning back a little bit when he went up for a shot. They focused on jumping more straight up and down, and you know, his new form or just that little correction is paying off for the early parts of the season. You know, I also think that he's just playing a little smarter under control basketball too. Um, I don't think that he was like real wild or anything last season, but I think the game looked fast for him a lot of the times last mm-hmm. year. And that's normal because he's a young kid, but look, the Nuggets just need him to make the simple play. Michael Malone has said that for a while now. Jordy Fernandez, Nuggets Summer League coach, stressed that message in Las Vegas. Take the open jumper when it's there. If you got a lane, drive the ball. You know, if none of those things are there, then keep the ball moving. And I think Malik Beasley has done a fantastic job uh, of that so far in the preseason. I mean, the Nuggets have outscored their opponents by 50 points in the three games Malik Beasley has been on the floor. You know, I think not only is he shooting the ball better, but you're just seeing cleaner basketball from him overall, and that's reflected in the plus-minus. We've always lumped Malik Beasley into a group when speaking about this Nuggets rotation with Torrey Craig and Juancho Hernan Gomez. When you look at those three players and you want to project 10 years down the line, or maybe not 10 years because then most of those guys would be into their mid-30s, but say five years down the line when those three guys will all be in their primes or three or four years down the line when – those three will be at their peak of their basketball powers. Who do you think has the highest ceiling out of those three? Oh, it's no question in my mind that it's Malik Beasley because of his two-way potential. You know, I think he already did a pretty decent job of perimeter defense last year. He made some mistakes, but he's already a solid defender out on the perimeter. And, you know, the physical tools that he have are really impressive. He's six foot five. He's solidly built. He can get up like we talked about earlier. And there's so much room for him to improve on the offensive end. And we've seen a little bit of that. But, yeah, I mean, he can, you know, he has a potential of those three to be the best two-way player, no question about it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like you said, for his two-way upside. And we forget, man, Malik Beasley was a one-and-done at Florida State. He was a prolific scorer as a freshman in college. He really fell in the draft to 19th overall because of that stress fracture in his foot, if you remember. He did not work out for any teams in the pre-draft process. That's what really contributed to him falling in the draft. If he didn't have that injury, he probably would have been a lottery pick. And so the Nuggets got a steal with him at 19 now that he's fully healthy three years into his NBA career. And he definitely still has 
a high ceiling that he can reach, I think. He's got a higher ceiling than Wancho. He's got a higher ceiling than Torrey Craig, who's a couple years older than those guys. So he definitely has the biggest upside of that group. And, hey, maybe we're seeing him just really start to grow into that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to that. It's It's been difficult for him to stay patient because he's probably been the best scorer on his team before he got to the NBA for, you know, since he was in middle school or something mm-hmm. like that. And the pathway for him to get minutes on the Nuggets is kind of do role player things, you know, come in and play defense, make the simple play in offense. He's just not going to be this high usage guy in this team. And that's been an adjustment. And I think he's, you know, finally starting to adjust well. We'll, we'll see if it continues. But, you know, I, I talked to Paul Millsap a little bit at practice on Sunday. Just Millsap and Beasley have had a relationship going back to Millsap's days with the Hawks. Um, Beasley attended high school just outside of Atlanta. And um, here's a quote from Paul Millsap. A lot of times these young guys don't understand the process of waiting until their time comes. He's had an opportunity now to get out there and show what he can do. He's putting in the work. He's been patient. He's been a great teammate. Um, his hard work and dedication is paying off. It hasn't been easy, easy for Beasley to sit there on the bench and watch, but I think he's understanding the things he needs to do to make it in the NBA now and carve out a role. Yeah, that's a good point there about him and Millsap's relationship. The other couple things EJ touched on in his question there, Bryce Cotton, yeah, he looked great for Perth. I warned you guys about Bryce Cotton. If you remember, if you want to go back in the files, it's on tape. When the Nuggets announced this game with Perth, I told you about Bryce Cotton. He was the guy to watch from that team. Thomas Welsh, I'm not sure minutes are in the cards for him this year. I'm sure he'll spend a lot of minutes in the G League. But I will say, I've heard a lot of good things about Thomas Welsh so far, just in terms of his work ethic and how he's looked on the practice court. Funny little tidbit from... Friday night's locker room. There are only a couple of us left in there, but you probably didn't see Thomas Welsh in the Nuggets locker room post game if you were in there. The reason was because he was on the practice court getting shots up after that win against Perth. Will Barton kind of made an offhanded comment. Thomas is my favorite player in the NBA. <laughs> uh, Welsh was automatic from those mid-range zones in college and when you watch him during practice, oh, man, he's got a beautiful-looking shot. Well, I, I mean, it's pretty. It's fluid. It's kind of, like, out in front of his body, but he's so tall that it doesn't really matter, you know? Like, if I was a six foot two guy doing it, then you'd probably have to tell him, like, bring up your release point. But his approach, I mean, works for him, and, you know, he doesn't need to change a thing. Yeah, the nicest kid, too, which is what everybody will tell you about him. Let's touch on Jared Vanderbilt and Michael Porter Jr. real quick here. We spoke with Michael Porter Jr. at the Puma outlet up in Thornton, Colorado this weekend. He had a signing there, and we spoke with him for a few minutes after. EJ says it would be smart for the Nuggets to sit him out the whole year. I agree, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens. And also the sense I'm getting from the couple times we've spoken with Mike over the past couple weeks at Media Day and then this last weekend up in Thornton, The sense I'm starting to get from him is that he's fully committed to his long-term health and taking this rehab process slowly. And I think there were some questions about that coming into the season because of what happened at Missouri last year. You know, he has the surgery in November. All the reporting out there is he's probably done for the season. And then he comes back at the end of the year, obviously did not look healthy, did not look like himself. And so... I got a lot of questions over the summer. Hey, would Michael Porter Jr. kind of rush back because he obviously really wants to get on the court like he did when he went to Missouri last season for one year? Would he maybe push his rehab along quicker than he should? It's clear to me now that he won't and that the Nuggets will slow play this thing like we've talked about all summer and through training camp. They're not going to get him out on the floor until he's fully healthy. And... That seems to be the same frame of mind that Porter has. He knows that the best chance of him having a long and fruitful NBA career is if he takes his rehab slowly. And I I think he's really come around to that. Not to say he's never been on that page, but he's really committed to the long-term approach here. Yeah, I think, you know, at Missouri, there was a little bit of pressure from, you know, especially the fan base for Michael Porter Jr. to get out in the court because, 
it's just kind of a crummy situation when, you know, the best player your school has ever gotten, you know, realizes he's hurt two minutes into the season and then that's it for his college career. So, you know, I, it would, it would be understandable if Michael felt a little bit of that pressure to, Hey, get out, get out back out there on the court. If you can, um, he, he returned for a game in the SEC tournament and then Missouri's lone game in the NCAA tournament, and he just didn't look like himself. I mean, he wasn't moving very well out on the floor. He lacked that explosion that made him the top-ranked high school player in his class, and that probably hurt him on draft night. The great thing about the NBA and being with this Nuggets team, there is absolutely no pressure to get back on the court immediately. I mean, the only thing the Nuggets are telling him is, hey, we're, we're going to take all the time we need, and we're going to make sure you're right when you get back out there. So, yeah, I mean, Mike, it's just from talking to him a couple times, it does sound like he's realizing that slow playing this is the best way to go, prioritizing his long-term health. Um, and that's great because, you know, three, four, five years down the road, if Michael Porter Jr. can you know, return to form and be that guy who was a McDonald's All-American, Naismith Player of the Year, Gatorade National Player of the Year, then that raises the Nuggets ceiling considerably. Well put. Before we take our first break here, and we're over a little bit, so we got to take a break here, but Mike does seem like he's really embracing being a Puma athlete. And also, Puma has some cool lifestyle stuff. Um, I don't know how I feel about the shoes, but I'm in on the clothing. So, yeah, a, a, little, a little tidbit there. Those polos you got were nice. Well, I just had to pick up some swag, some Puma swag when we went to the Puma outlet, you know. I'm there. Might as well. Yeah, I got some lifestyle shoes, and uh, I'm pretty happy with them. What if I told you that you could order your liquor on a mobile app, have it delivered to you the same day, and save money doing it? Well, that's exactly what you can do with Total Beverage, because Total Beverage now delivers to most of the metro area, from Wheat Ridge to Erie, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they're locally owned and operated, so you're helping out the local guy. If you download the Total Beverage app right now and use promo code BSN10, you're going to get $10 off your delivery order. That's right, BSN10 on the Total Beverage app to get $10 off your next liquor order. So check those guys out, Total Beverage. And without further ado, let's go to the Total Beverage fan hotline. We've got an interesting take and some interesting insight and research from Friend of the show, Ranchman. Hello, it's Evan from Castle Rock, a.k.a. Ranchman. Good day to you, Christian and Harrison. Hey, you had a caller the other day inquire about the possibility of having three 20-point scores per game this season. It made me think back to the old days, the Nuggets. I was a 41-game ticket season holder the last year they were in the ABA, and then the next year, the first year they were in the NBA. That was uh, 1975 through 1977 uh, seasons. The constraints, however, of life's conflicting obligations made impossible continuous full season ticket holder thereafter, but I still love to go to the games. I remember that a few years after that, there were three 20-point scores at one point in time, so I had to do a search to see if my memory is still in working order. My wife will be stunned to learn that at times my brain does work, although only when it comes to life's inconsequential events and, and movie dialogue. So it turns out there was more than one time when they had three 20-game scores. In the 82-83 season, Alex English averaged 28 points, Vicky Kanderway averaged 26 points, and Dan Issel averaged 21 points per game. That team also had T.R. Dunn, um, before your time, I get it. Uh, he was one of the great defenders in Nuggets history. The following year, the trio fell just short of the mark when Issel averaged 19.8 points per game. But the same three high scorers also averaged 20-plus points per game in the prior season, 81 through 82. And in 1980 through 1981 season, David Thompson, the Skywalker, he joined Alex English and Dan Issel, and they each averaged over 20 points a game. That was the year Kiki Vandeway averaged 11 points per game. Uh, Thompson, English, and Issel also did this in 79 through 80, and they had, amazingly, five additional players averaging double figures, led by George McGinnis, the old power forward. So 
We can say the years 79 through 83 were truly the high-flying years when it came to the Nuggets' offensive prowess. That's it. I'm out. All right, well, thanks for doing that research, Ranchman. And I will just reinforce what I said on Friday's show or Saturday's show. Not sure what date it officially got fired under, but I think it's going to be tough for the Nuggets to get 23 20-point-per-game scores this season. I think Nikola Jokic will average over 20 points a game. Jamal Murray would be the next guy up if I had to pick somebody to average over 20 points per game. Gary Harris would be third. Look, just with the Nuggets' equal opportunity offense, it's not built in the same way that, say, the Warriors' offense is, where they really have three guys who are going to score the ball in that starting unit. Draymond Green and whoever they're playing at center, you know, they're not really going to be looked at to score the ball when that first five are playing together. With the Nuggets, all five guys uh, have really an equal role in scoring the ball. As Ranchman pointed out, the Nuggets did have three 20 points per game scores, um, 1981-82 season. Alex English, Dan Issel, and Kiki Vandaway. Harrison, I, I think another you know reason why we won't see three 20 points per game scores on this, this Nuggets team is because of pace. I mean, those Nuggets teams in the early 80s just played so fast. If you go and look at basketball references, um, pace factor, those teams averaged a- around 110 possessions per game. If you look at last year's Nuggets, they averaged around 97 um, possessions per game. So, you know, you're talking about 13 extra possessions that those Nuggets teams in the early 80s had compared to last year's. I mean, you know, the efficiency and the types of shots that the Nuggets shoot now are better ones, obviously. That's why you see the why you see them just post these crazy offensive ratings, but it's crazy to think about how quickly um, those Nuggets teams of the early 80s and the NBA in general got up and down in that era. It is. It is, and it also makes you think about those stats in a whole different degree. Um, Who do you think is going to average over 20 points per game on this Nuggets roster this year? Oof. I've said that I think Jamal Murray is going to lead this team in scoring. Um, I think I'm going to stick with that, although, you know, part of me just thinks that I'm overthinking it and that Jokic is going to do it this year. I mean, he did it last year and he looked, I mean, uncomfortable and like he was working through some things on the offensive end for much of the year. If he was able to lead the team in scoring last year and, you know, there were times when the pecking order wasn't established until the very end of the year. What's he going to do this year when he's a clear-cut number one? Yeah, I just think Jokic is going to be the guy who we saw at the end of last season at the beginning of this season, and that's a guy who is averaging over 20 points per game. I think Jamal Murray can get there. Look, obviously the rest of the league does too. 30 GMs voted and said he has the best chance to have a breakout season in the league, better chance than Jason Tatum, better chance than Brandon Ingram. It's pretty high praise for Jamal Murray, who, you know, in NBA circles, it seems like Jason Tatum is clear-cut as a guy most people would rather have over Jamal Murray. So that was pretty interesting that uh, Jamal got that recognition there. And, of course, we both could be wrong, and it could just be Gary Harris. I mean, he was leading the team in scoring for most of last year until the True. end of the year. So True. Any, any one of those three guys wouldn't surprise me in the least. I would be a little surprised if it was Gary Jokic is the guy I'm going with to lead the team in scoring, though. I feel pretty comfortable with that. He just gets so many buckets without even trying. Like, if it's just on the offensive glass, uh, if it's just, like, little lanes here and there, you can look down for a second and he'll have eight quick points on four shots. He's one of the best I've ever seen at just collecting an offensive rebound and flipping it back up a half a second later and it just falling right through the net without even touching the rim. Just the softest touch uh, almost of any player I've ever seen. Well, thanks for the question, Ranch Man. Let's go back to this old beverage fan hotline. We've got a question from Ray about a couple different things about Mason Plumley and also about Game of Zones. Love the question, Ray. Let's hear what you got to say. Hey guys, this is Ray from Maryland. I had a couple of questions. First being about Mason Plumley, The Lakers right now, Really obvious they're lacking a backup center. Do you guys see any trade value there with Mason Plumley being in a big mix of backup big competition? A uh, couple of years left on his contract, I think 14 plus million a year. 
they definitely have space for them. What do you guys think? Also, Game of Zones, do you watch it? Do you like it? Do you think we'll be more involved this season? Thanks. Have a good one. All right, so let's hit on Mason Plumley first. I think the Lakers definitely need a center for sure. I said this after each of the game the Nuggets played against them this preseason. I got a lot of questions about what the Lakers are doing in the front court. I don't think Kyle Kuzma and Michael Beasley and JaVale McGee are going to be viable options for an 82-game regular season at center, and I don't believe you want to play LeBron there for a ton of minutes during the regular season. Maybe in the playoffs, not against the Sacramento Kings in the regular season. I think the Lakers need to make a move for a big... I think they will. Tyson Chandler, that could be an enticing play. When it comes to Mason Plumlee, the feeling I get is the Nuggets don't really want to make a trade right now. They don't want to trade any of their rotation guys. I feel like they're very locked in with their current rotation. They want to get to the season. They want to see how they can start the regular season. They want to see what they can do with this rotation. That's the feeling I get. And maybe if things go awry early in the season, they look to make a trade. But I get the sense that the Nuggets are locked into what they have right now, and they want to see it on the floor for games that count. Yeah, the Nuggets love what they have, and you can understand why. I mean, while the Minnesota Timberwolves were imploding, the Nuggets were playing spike ball together and laughing it up and seeing how many guys they could fit in the cold tub at one time. This is a a team that really likes playing together. They all kind of agree on, um, you know, this style of play that they've adopted. So, I yeah, I agree with you that this front office is pretty pretty hesitant to um, disrupt that in any way. I mean, I think Mason Plumlee would be a great option for the Lakers this year, to be honest with you, because JaVale McGee, you, you just can't ask him to play 25 minutes per night. I mean, he's a guy who has played around 10 minutes per game the last two years. It's just more minutes than I think he's capable of. And then asking Kyle Kuzma and LeBron to kind of tag team those minutes at backup center, I mean, that's all right in the playoffs if you get there, but I just don't think that's what you want to do over the course of an 82-game regular season. Those two guys are going to get ground down doing that. You know, I just... I think for the Nuggets would be hesitant to move Palmy. I mean, I think he's going to have a pretty good year, and they would want something like you know Josh Hart and salary filler back, or Kyle Kuzma and salary filler back. And I think it's hard to see the Lakers agreeing to do something like that. Yeah, I don't think the Lakers really have much that the Nuggets would want that they'd be willing to give up. I don't really see those two as being trade partners, and yeah, I don't see the Nuggets really moving Mason Plumley at this point, at least. The Lakers do really need a center, though. Um, I mean, I don't know if you saw this most recent preseason game the Lakers had. Your boy, Boban. Four or five in seven minutes for 11 points and six rebounds. Wait, hey, that's just what Boban does. It's another day in the office, man. Um, quick note, Mason Plumlee worked out with Boban this summer in New York City. Um, that's how he learned that Boban is going to appear in John Wick 3. So... <laughs> I'm really looking out for that one. Boban is going to play an assassin. I am extremely, extremely here for that. <laughs> Same with me. Um, I'm also extremely here for Game of Zones. Big fan of the series. A must-watch every time an episode comes out. I'm also ready for the Nuggets to be incorporated into Game of Zones. I think there's a lot of things those guys could play with. You've got the Jamal Murray with the Blue Arrow dynamic. You've got the Joker dynamic. I think there's a lot of things at play here that we could see factored into this season. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Oh, man. Uh, The Van Gundy aisle one was one of my favorite ones in a while where the Van Gundy brothers are are just complaining the whole time. Um, You know what? I I respect both those guys' basketball minds, but... I don't know. I I don't think that you should be using an ESPN broadcast as a grandstand to just repeatedly complain about the game of basketball. (laughs) Right. Who do you think from the Nuggets could be incorporated into a storyline this year? Well, I mean, Nikola Jokic is the easiest one, right? Because he could just play the jester. That's, uh, I mean, a common character in those, you know, medieval type shows or illustrations. Perfect. And you got Jamal Murray with the bow and arrow too. Yeah. A natural fit. I, you know what? I, I'm making a prediction. The Nuggets are going to get Game of Zones this year. A full episode? 
I mean, I don't know if it's going to be a full episode on just the Nuggets, but they're going to make an appearance in Game of Zones this year. They ha- they haven't yet, right? I don't think so. Yeah, it's happening so. this year. Mark it down. Appreciate the question. And again, I want to remind you guys, if you have questions for the show, hit up the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. We'll be right back. Hey, BSNers, just a quick reminder that annual subscriptions at bsndenver.com right now are only 25 bucks for the entire year if you use promo code BSN25. Yes, that means unlimited access to Denver's best sports coverage for a year for only 25 bucks. That comes out to 208 per month. Stop reading the blogs and ditch the dying newspaper. Yikes. And join the family at BSN Denver today with promo code BSN25. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark back here wrapping up Monday's show. Before we move on, I got to tell you guys about my bookie because it's that time of year for many sports fans and it means it's time to win some money. The most important thing that I hear personally from fans when it comes to online betting is how fast can I get my money after I win? That's why I'm happy to tell you about MyBookie. Not only does MyBookie offer the highest credit card acceptance rates, but when you win, they pay out fast, putting money in your hands right away. Some real quick things about MyBookie. First off, I would only recommend a service to my listeners. That's been good to me. Also, like I said, MyBookie pays fast. You win, they pay you right away. They also have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, And also for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Some real next-level stuff there. So if you join MyBookie right now, they will match your deposit dollar for dollar if you use promo code BSN100. You've got to use promo code BSN100 to activate that offer. MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BSN100 when creating your account, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. We got one more question to get to on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. Another question from EJ. Take it away. Hey, guys. This is EJ Holloway from Jacksonville, Florida. Just have one question for you. Um, Considering the makeup of this team and uh, building through the draft and uh, not making the playoffs for the last five years, which I think will change this 2018-2019 season, um, just uh, out of curiosity, I mean, we got our big three um, built in-house, very young, in Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Gary Harris. Which of those three players do you think will make the biggest jump this year? And... um, where do you think that jump will come from on defense, offense, both? Um, and uh, what parts of their game uh, will will they build upon? And uh, uh, where do you think they will improve most? Um, also, second question, do you think Jokic will pick up where he uh, did last uh, 28 games of the uh, previous season here, 2017-2018 uh, season? Um, he, he was averaging over 20 points per game. Um, nearly 10 rebounds and uh, several assists. Uh, it's quite impressive. So I'm hoping he'll continue his bent. Um I'm assuming that Gary Harris will make the biggest jump, uh, easily a top 10 shooting guard in the league. And I think uh, uh, my biggest question mark is uh, how do you think Jamal Murray will um, uh, improve and where do you think he'll improve this season? Uh, and uh, how do you think his minutes – uh, will dwindle with Monte Morris improving and obviously having Isaiah Thomas. Um, third and final question, um, regarding Isaiah Thomas and Jamal Murray, do you think that they'll, uh, you know, uh, place Isaiah Thomas at the one and Jamal Murray at the two in uh, particular matchups um, throughout the season? Uh, hopefully these are valuable questions. I'm looking forward to an answer to this one. Um, thank you, guys. Um have a fantastic show. I'm a big fan and uh, continue doing what you're doing. Love the BSN Denver Nuggets podcast. Once again, this is DJ Holloway from Jacksonville, Florida. Have a great day, y'all. All right, let's start with Jamal Murray. I think the biggest area where you're going to see Jamal Murray's game improve this season is probably on the offensive end of the floor. And I just think Jamal's going to establish himself as 
kind of more of a pure scorer. And if you don't know what I mean by that, last season he really showed the you know ability to be that guy down the line. And I think he starts growing into that more this year. Last year, something you noticed about Jamal Murray was when he had a defender isolated on the perimeter, particularly a big, a lot of guards in this league, a lot of premier playmaking guards can just get by that guy no problem or get off a wide-open shot against a big when he switches out to him on the perimeter. Jamal had trouble with that sometimes last season. I think this season he's just going to show much more of a knack as a one-on-one scorer. And so that's where I think you'll see him take his biggest leap. And also coming with that, I think he'll take more threes this year. I've been a big proponent of him shooting more pull-up threes, more transition threes. He, he's such a pure shooter that that threat of him really pulling up at any moment's notice can do a lot for this Nuggets offense. So that's where I think you'll see him improve the most. I'd say just as a playmaker, as an ISO scorer, as just an offensive guy, his ceiling on that end of the floor I think he'll start to grow into that more this season. Yeah, and I'm really curious to see. I mean, we've both said for a while now that, you know, one area Jamal can improve is adding that shake to his game and getting able to get by players. I'm curious to see that if he starts taking and making at a more consistent rate, those pull-up jumpers off the dribble, will that open driving lanes up for him a little bit more? Because Jamal Murray is already an excellent standstill shooter. You know, I think he shot close to 40% or right around there. Um, on catch-and-shoot threes last year, but he was in the low 30s anytime he took a three off the dribble, and he didn't shoot a ton of them. That's one area where the Dame Lillards and the Steph Currys of the world, they take a ton of those threes off the dribble, and they make them in the high 30s or the low 40s. That's one of the next steps for Jamal Murray, and I do think we're going to see him just attempt more you know, threes off the dribble, more daring threes, and that is one way for him to kind of get by defenders and get to the rim a little bit easier. If the defenses are forced to play that much you know, closer to him and, and up tighter. When it comes to his backcourt mate, Gary Harris, where do you see the biggest improvement of his game coming this season? Is it potentially on the defensive end of the floor where the Nuggets could definitely use him? Um, man, I mean, I, I think Gary's already a solid defender. Um, you know, I think they're were some lapses last year for him. Um, <laughs> he just seems to improve a little bit in almost every area of his game every year. Um, last year, I think the biggest area of improvement was him handling the ball. Um, I am curious to see if he's able to kind of continue to break down his guy off the dribble um, and be that one-on-one guy in certain situations. One of the things, too, is knowing you know, when to go to that, you know, when to keep in the flow of the offense and when it's time to kind of take your guy one-on-one and beat him. I think there were just a couple times last year when, when maybe Gary got a little ISO happy um, and not often, but just maintaining that balance a little bit more too. Based on what we saw last year, I feel pretty safe in saying that Gary Harris will improve in every facet of his offensive game. I don't know how much better of a shooter he can get just on the catch and shoot. He's already elite there. But everything else on his offensive game, he can just improve on. I think he'll do that again next season. His ISO scoring, his handle, his playmaking ability, uh, his ability in transition. I think he'll take another step next year. Defensively is the final part of his game for me. If Gary Harris can become a lockdown perimeter defender, and I think he's got the skill set to do so and the basketball IQ to do so. If he can get to that level, that's going to really increase his ceiling exponentially. Now you're getting into the realm of, hey, maybe Gary Harris is going to make an all-star team. You know, maybe he's going to make an all-defensive team. That ups his profile just another couple steps. So if he can become like an all-NBA defender, it's going to heighten his ceiling and also just heighten the nugget ceiling because then you have a stopper out on the perimeter on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah. And then as far as Nikola Jokic goes, I mean, that's pretty obvious. He needs to improve on the defensive end. And, you know, I think getting in better shape would help him a little bit. Um, He's always going to be a slow footed player. That's just kind of who he is. 
but he's got to get a little bit better defending the pick and roll so that other teams just just can't go to that, you know, every single play in the last five minutes of a close game. Yeah, I think Jokic is a little underrated on the defensive end of the floor. I think he does a lot of things in terms of rebounding and positioning that don't get the credit they probably deserve. But it will be interesting to see how he defends in the playoffs and, and what type of guy he is there. Offensively, I think you're going to see some improvement just from what he did at the end of last season. I think you're going to see that all season long, an aggressive Nikola Jokic on the offensive end of the floor, a guy the Nuggets can go to late in games, late in fourth quarters. That's where I think you're going to see BC his biggest improvement on that end, just as a clutch scorer, as a go-to option late in games. The other part of EJ's question there, Jamal Murray with Monte Morris and Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas is such a question mark right now in terms of when he'll get back on the floor. And even when he gets back on the floor, I don't know how many minutes per game he's going to play. I don't know if we can really have that conversation. If Isaiah Thomas is fully healthy, if he's Boston Celtic Isaiah Thomas, yeah, he could cut into Jamal Murray's minutes a little bit. Uh, But uh, we just can't really make a call on that right now. And could Thomas and Murray play together? I think they could in a sense. That would be an unbelievably dynamic offensive lineup with Isaiah Thomas creating and Jamal Murray spotting up or uh, vice versa. But as everything goes with Isaiah Thomas right now, it's still so far off his return that I don't know how seriously we can can talk about it at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean... uh I, I kind of thought that Isaiah would, would be a little farther along. It, it just appears that he's still a ways away. I think that him and Murray could definitely make it work on offense. I think they would be dynamic on the offensive end. My question is how they would look defensively because, you know, IT is a guy who is just going to struggle on the defensive end no matter how hard he tries just because, you know, he's five foot eight or five foot nine. And, and Jamal Murray was not a very good defensive point guard last year. I mean, I think he puts in the effort, but... He's still got a long ways to go, and I, I just think they would get crushed defensively. Yeah, so much about defense is getting reps under your belt and seeing pick and rolls and seeing different actions and going up against these guys year in, year out. I think Jamal Murray will get better at, over time on that end of the floor. I think he's got the tools to do so. Thanks for all the questions, guys, this week. Really appreciated it. Again, the Total Beverage Fan Hotline is 1-800-BSN-8394. I think that's all the time we got for today's show. We'll be back Tuesday. Talk with you guys then.